Hello folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Is It Over Yet Wrestling Podcast. We hope you're having a fantastic week so far. Unfortunately, my good buddy Sam Whaley can't be with me in the Is It Over Yet Wrestling studios this week. But so much has gone on this past week and the week before in pro wrestling that... I'm too needy. I called him up. I said, dude, let's talk anyway. So we talked about Extreme Rules. We talked about the matches that had gone on this week. So please, folks, sit back and enjoy a slightly unorthodox, but no less awesome, World of Trios. World of Trios. All right, folks, we're going to talk about our top three Extreme Rules moments. Are you ready, Mr. Sam Whaley? I'm ready. Awesome stuff, my friend. Top three extreme rules moments. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about the Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins Iron Man Intercontinental Championship match from the Extreme Rules pay per view. That was a hell of a mouthful. What did you think about this match, dude? I thought it was pretty damn solid, to be honest. Um, I, th- I feel like the crowd sort of maybe interrupted the flow of the match a little bit. With the uh, Royal Rumble. Yeah, man. It was funny the first time, but the 98th time it kind of grated on me a little bit. I don't know if you saw that um, Seth Rollins actually tweeted out 10987654321. So he actually picked up on that. I don't know if he was a massive fan. But yeah, overall, it was a pretty good match. And uh, there was a really good build to it, I thought. So so what came out of it was, was like you said, very, very solid. Um, I thought the ending was particularly interesting. Uh, a little bit inconsequential because Dolph kind of already won that one, I think. With it, well, not won it, but it was already like a draw. That should maybe have been it, shouldn't it? I mean, that should have been sort of the case of, uh, oh my God, look, they're both as good as each other. Unfortunately, Dolph keeps the title. Exactly, yeah. But I think what they ended up actually doing is is giving uh, Ziggler that heel heat and obviously kind of involving Drew a little bit more in the match um, and helping Ziggler get that decisive win to return the IC title. Uh, you talk about the next one, dude. Alright, let's go. Okie doke. So this one was AJ Styles versus Rusev, and this was for the WWE Championship. Now, I thought this was a really strong contest, and it was kind of a match that you had to think of, I think, as like a standalone match, because as we've mentioned on previous podcasts, it felt like it was kind of a stepping stone match for AJ Styles. Yeah, I think it was as good as it was going to be. You've got two great performers, uh, two great workers, and two guys that can put on fantastic matches put the two together and you're going to get an entertaining match and that's exactly what it was exactly and i actually to be fair saying that it was a standalone stepping stone match there were times that i thought rusev might pull out the win here little bits of interference made in english and obviously rusev looked like quite a dominant character anyway so there was times where i thought oh maybe but you know in the back of my mind it was always kind of like Rusev, you know, he's he's getting this as a reward for all of the kind of homegrown build that he's done for himself. And maybe this is going to be his kind of last moment in the sun for a little while. But it, it, was, it was good nonetheless, and one of the better moments on the pay-per-view. I think it just shows that Rusev can be a main event player, um, without a doubt. He, he's worked hard to get to where he is now, um, and the... Rusev Day thing has just progressively got better and better and better. I hope that the outcome of this match isn't going to be the end of Rusev Day. Yeah, I mean, do you think this is kind of like a, a tester for him? See how he looked in the main event? See how he kind of sat next to somebody like AJ, who is obviously someone that can put on a match with anybody? Yeah, I mean, I think he is a class. he's, he's a classic foreign heel look to him. 
Uh, he doesn't have the foreign heel character at the minute because he's so over with Rusev. Day. Yep. Yeah, that's true. So he's not kind of going the Jinder Mahal route, really. Aiden English is the heel. He is. He makes Rusev the heel, doesn't he? Yeah, that that's true. And I, I think without him, we, we might actually get a full-blown face turn from Rusev, which yeah. I, I do think is going to happen sooner or later I anyway. Think, yeah, I think if it was just him and Lana, it would just be face, 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 face. And it'd yeah, be one man. of those rare ones where, I think we've spoken about this in the past, it'd be one of those rare ones where the uh, superstar with the female valet is over as a face. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man, definitely. And the third and final thing was the big announcement from Kurt Angle um, regarding Brock Lesnar's status. So we got we got Kurt Angle um, announcing to the to the audience who were delighted by this, by the way, that unless Brock could agree to a date to defend his title, he would be stripping him of the belt. Now, as we know, um, since then. If you watch Raw, Brock has agreed to defend the belt. Um, are you happy about this? Does it mean anything to you now? I think Kurt Angle coming out at Extreme Rules with this statement was just to show that the WWE are actually feeling the heat from the uh, from the fans at the minute. Yep. I'm happy that Brock's going to defend SummerSlam, and I, I think it's pretty much a done deal that he's going to lose the belt. I think it's true, isn't it? I mean, as as quickly as he will return, I think he's going to make that swift exit. And as you said, it does seem to be due to fan backlash. Whether or not they were going this way with the storyline anyway, whether they were trying to make him this mega heel that doesn't defend and then the fans turn on him, I don't know. But it's going to be so refreshing to have that belt back because it's meant so little. And uh, I think that's about it for, for the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. I think... Um, just to cap it all off, it wasn't one of my favourite pay-per-views of the year. I think there was some really strong moments, but all in all, I think the, the moments we've mentioned were the strongest of the night. What did you think of it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've just got a little honourable mention of my own here that I know is going to really annoy you, but the return of a heel Randy Orton was definitely a high point for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I mentioned to you, I've kind of lost a little bit of faith in Randy Orton. Um, if not for the fact that I've, I've seen him face, heel, face, heel. So the, the the fact of the matter is with me and Randy Orton turning heel in this manner, I really need to be proven that he, he can go the whole mile, not rest on his laurels in the way he might have done in the past with some of his in-ring work. Um, but yeah, you believe in him. He's just such an aggressive performer that I think as a heel, he's just perfect and he always has been and for me he's never been over with me as a face character he has to be the bad guy one thing i noticed about this whole randy Orton heel turn thing was he's kind of changed his hairstyle so like i think cm punk mentioned that back in the day he used to shave his head when he was a heel and kind of grow it back when he was a face um and i noticed here randy he's kind of shaved off those uh, the sideburns shaved off that kind of top bit of hair and gone yeah. back to the to the straight short hair having a bit more of a heel look i guess to tie in with everything that's going on so yeah, it makes you look a bit scarier doesn't it it does i mean it doesn't beat the old randy orton where he just shaved his head completely and looked like a lizard man but um yeah I, I, I've, it remains to be seen with me. You've got faith in it, so I'm yet to be swayed. We'll see on that I one. And... I'm taking that 5p from you. I know I will. <laughs> yep, you've bet me 5p that I'm going to finally come around and love the Randy Orton heel turn, <laughs> so we'll see. And yeah, I think that's about it for the Extreme Rules countdown. The Good. Folks, we're back with the things that we liked uh, this week and the past week in pro wrestling. So first up, this was the Mil Mortes versus Cage match from Lucha Underground. What do you think about this one, dude? Uh, when I first heard that these two giant 
monsters were going to go up against each other, the first thing that you're going to think in your head is two big guys, slow slugfest. Yep. Uh, and it couldn't be further from that. You've got a guy like Mil Muertes doing a Hurricane Rana, which was yep. just awesome. And you've got amazing spots from Cage where he does the uh, planter over the top of the ring onto Mill. And yep. also another brilliant point that I noticed, I've, I've rewatched the match today, uh, was the deadlift suplex from the outside of the ring back to the inside. That was fantastic. On, on Mil Muertes, who's about 280 pounds of solid muscle. Yeah, man. I mean, a few things that I noticed about this match. Mil Muertes, big dude against anyone else, yeah? But yeah. He, when he comes face-to-face -face with Cage, he's looking yeah. a little bit more diminutive, a little bit smaller. He does. Yeah, and you're he thinking, does. I thought the exact same thing, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And um, obviously that didn't stop Mil Muertes from kind of uh, dominating a little bit throughout the match. Um, another thing that I noticed is this is the kind of match that Roman uh, Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley should have had at Extreme Rules. Yeah, I feel like it was a it was a slugfest, but it, as you mentioned, it featured some real feats of strength. It, it featured like the brawling side of things. It captured everything um, that guys like this can do if they really want to go the extra mile. And I feel yeah, like right, yeah. when it comes to it, Lucha Underground really pushes the big man angle and makes it work. So yeah, they do. And if you would have ever seen a character back in the eighties called Mil Muertes, who was at two hundred and eighty pounds and looks the way he does. That would have been one of the boring matches on the card. Yeah. Uh, in 2018, Mil Muertes in Lucha Underground is one of the most exciting guys to watch, and he's a big guy, and he's got it all. Yeah, I mean, another great point about this match is not only was it an amazing match, but the finish. What a brilliant surprise. I, would, I'm, I believe we're talking about the finish with uh, Pentagon Dark appearing in the audience and blindsiding oh, yes. Cage. Yeah? That was great. It really was. I mean, I didn't see that coming because I'd heard a little bit about this match prior to it. And, and yeah, um, an awesome surprise. Obviously, those two are feuding at the moment, so that's going to lead to things next week, I think, between those two or in the coming weeks. So, yeah. Lucha Underground, um, they know how to keep the story rolling. Yeah, another thing that we saw from this part of the match as well is something you never see nowadays, and it was a chair shot to the head. They're pretty much outlawed, aren't they? Ouch. <laughs> yeah, you really feel those kind of things when you see them because they're such rarities. So, yeah, yeah, man, an absolutely brutal match as we're kind of getting a bit more acclimatized to with Lucha Underground, but that doesn't stop it from having all the kind of agility between the two performers and, and you know, overall wrestling skill. It's just, it, it was fantastic. I, I loved it. Well worth I a mention. It. The second one is a match that has, has pretty much only just happened. Very fresh. It's AJ Styles versus Andrade Cien Elmas from Smackdown now this was a 10 minute TV match but it just flew by for me it, it didn't feel like it I had to look at my watch I thought wow that was like a 2 minute match but there was so much going on within these 10 minutes these guys just took it to the limit in a TV match what do you think? there's no backstory to it there's, there's no nothing this was just pretty much for everybody's watching pleasure yep uh, you got two in-ring superstars here you've got one established in aj styles and one soon to be established in andrade cien almas if you spoke about it beforehand you would say well aj's going to win this it's going to be a squash it'll be an easy one it's just another stepping stone match even though i knew that aj was going to win this match there were moments when you think could andrade do it oh yeah could he win could this be a shock yeah moments like that all the way through and that is just the amazing psychology of these two put together. What 
what a great showcase for Andrade. I think so. And as always, with uh, with Zelina Vega at ringside, you never know what's going to happen. Really, you kind of get the feeling yeah. she might be she might be looking in the shadows, willing to do something to AJ Styles to kind of offset his offense and stuff like that. So. Um, I, I mean, what I thought overall of this match was that Andrade got a lot in. He got a lot of his his offense in and yeah. uh, stuff like the double knee and that awesome moonsault that he does where he kind of fakes it out coming off the ropes and then it's yeah, like... The one, yeah, he does the moonsault off the top, lands on his feet and then does the standing moonsault. Yeah, there's got to be a name for that. Um, but yeah, that's absolutely killer. And obviously AJ Styles picks up the win with the calf crusher and I've been so impressed as to how AJ can kind of get that move on people out of nowhere. It's kind of like the way you roll someone up for a small package but he managed to roll it into the, this calf crusher move and yeah. it's just fantastic it's both men displayed so much skill in this short period of time and i i for one would like to see a program between them i think i like i liked the idea of it I like, like i say i liked the fact that there were sort of liked the fact that there was no storyline or anything behind this it was just pretty much there you go enjoy yeah, it was kind of like, listen, we know you hardcore fans out there would love to see this match, so here you go. Here's one for you guys. Um, so, yeah, fantastic. I just hope, I just hope, yeah, I just hope that's not it for these two. I hope that we can create a, a proper program. Well, I believe it was us that mentioned quite a few episodes ago that when they were bringing Andrade up, I mean, was it going to be a bit risky? But then we analysed the SmackDown roster and people like AJ Styles did appear um, and, and Daniel Bryan and whatnot. And we thought, ah, he's going to be all right. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult because you look at the talent on SmackDown and, you know, 50% of the roster, you could say, could be WWE champion. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. I mean, Andrade is on the way. He's got the star power. He's definitely got some form of it, I think. And with uh, Selena Vega by his side, he's definitely got that whole heel macho man type thing going on, you know. So yeah, great TV match. And from a really good SmackDown as well, so well worth catching. Superb stuff. Yeah, um, the last thing I want to discuss here, I know it's something you, you didn't manage to catch, I don't think. It's from the New Japan G1 Climax, and it's Kenny Omega versus Naito. Uh, now, I haven't managed to catch much from this this year's New Japan uh, G1 Climax tournament, but I did catch this match, and it was a super strong effort. While not as full-on as last year's contest between these two wrestlers, it still had loads of great moments. It started out with a little bit of kind of fun one-upsmanship between them, and it just built and built into this really intense battle that even ended on the outside of the ring. So there's a lot going on at the moment in New Japan with the whole G1 Climax, and this was a really good taster for what you can expect. So if anyone's wanted to check out some New Japan stuff, Check that one out. It's a great start in place. I'll definitely be checking that one out later tonight. Do it, my friend. I think that's about it for this week's likes. So, yeah. Trios News. Hello there, folks. A bit of news for you here. And the first item I've got is Hulk Hogan's shocking and controversial return to the WWE. Now, a little while ago, Hulk was ousted from the company, from its website, and from its Hall of Fame for some very inappropriate comments that he made. Now, the company obviously felt like it was in their best interest to remove him, and we saw no signs of Hulk Hogan uh, within the company for quite a while. Now, his return looks to be just as shocking and just as controversial, um, and it looks to see Hogan make it right with the company. So, 
this kind of thing's always going to ruffle a lot of feathers. Hogan undoubtedly has a place in wrestling history, but whether he has a place in modern day WWE, I guess that remains to be seen. The second piece of news I've got is that Charlotte Flair is due to return from injury round about July the 31st. Now, with her leaving round about March time, this wouldn't have been the longest injury, but obviously with it being um, an injury to her breast implants, she needed time to rehab, possibly get further cosmetic surgery. So hopefully Charlotte Flair will be back very soon and hopefully she could be the next challenger for either Asuka or Carmella. But one thing's for sure, the WWE has certainly missed the Queen while she's been injured. A third and final piece of news is surrounding the Mae Young Classic. Now, if you watched last year, you know this was a great showcase for a lot of female talent from around the world. And this week we get four new ladies joining this already stacked tournament. So let's run these down. The first is Tegan Knox, otherwise known as Nixon Newell. And she is a Welsh wrestler and has wrestled for Progress Wrestling in the UK. The second is Diana Perrazzo, well known for her runs in Impact Wrestling and Ring of Honor. And and next up, we get a couple of new NXT signings, Jesse Alaban and Rihanna Gonzalez. Now, these ladies join an already stacked roster, as I mentioned, which include former WWE star Caitlin and UK star Ginny. This one is looking to be a great tournament. So there you go, folks. That's what we thought about the pay-per-view and some of the goings-on in pro wrestling in the past couple of weeks. Please let us know what you thought as well by hitting us up on all of our social media sites. And stick around. The show's not over. We've still got a mark in history. A mark in history. Get it? Welcome to A Mark in History. Now this is the part of the show where we take you for a walk back in wrestling time to a point that happened this week back in history. This week I'm going to talk about a wrestler called Bruiser Brody. Now this guy was big. His build height was 6 foot 8 and his weight was 283 pounds. Brody never actually wrestled in the modern day WWE, but he did wrestle for Vince McMahon Sr's original promotion, the WWWF, where he challenged Bruno Sammartino in 1978 unsuccessfully. Then again, I think pretty much everybody challenged Bruno Sammartino unsuccessfully back in the 70s. From what I understand, uh, Brody would travel a lot similar to how Andre the Giant would be. Sort of like an attraction for each promotion he wrestled, and he wrestled for a lot of promotions. The mark in history I'm going to tell you about is a gruesome one though. On the 16th of July 1988, in Bayamán, Puerto Rico, Bruiser Brody was in the locker room backstage at an event. Another wrestler who was also the booker named Jose Gonzalez asked Brody to step into the shower area to discuss business. Moments later, screams were heard and the sounds of a scuffle. It was heard to the whole locker room. Another wrestler named Tony Atlas was allegedly first on the scene. He found Brody clutching his stomach and at this point he also saw Jose Gonzalez holding a knife. It took almost an hour to get medical help to Brody by which time he had lost a lot of blood. He died later in hospital. Now, the controversy that surrounds this is actually all surrounding Jose Gonzalez himself. He actually claimed self-defense and he was acquitted of murder in 1989, but it was not without a lot of dodgy goings on. Uh, a lot of mouths were kept shut, a lot of people were threatened, there was a lot of things that were a little bit untoward. Uh, now, Dutch Mantel, also known as Zeb Coulter in the WWE, he was a witness to this. He didn't actually receive his court summons until after the trial was over. It's all dodgy stuff, but it's interesting nonetheless, and I thought this would be a great mark in history for this week. 
to finish on a brighter note, of course, go out and find Bruiser Brody versus Lex Luger in a cage match. It's on YouTube. If you just type it in, it'll pop straight up. Trust me, it's worth it, even though the pictures are quite grainy. And it's not just for the amazing wrestling, because maybe there isn't a lot of that. It's for the whole controversy surrounding this as well. I can tell you now, Bruiser Brody was a controversial guy, and he did not take well taking orders. Also, how many times can I say controversy in one sentence? All right, folks, this is our most over segment. Over like Rover. Oh, yeah. Dig it. So each week, Sam and I give you two superstars from all over the wrestling landscape that we thought were the most over that week. So last week, we gave you Adam Cole and Tyler Bate to choose from on our poll. And who won, Sam? Adam Cole, baby! I was really hoping you'd do that. Thanks, man. Um, so this week, we've got two new superstars for you. First of all, I'm going to pick Mr. Drew McIntyre because I feel like he's on the rise. I feel like he came out on Raw and he kind of threw his hat in the ring. He's been doing loads of cool stuff with Dolph, really just getting in there and making his kind of face known on TV, as well as the awesome NXT run and everything he's done on the indies. So... Drew McIntyre for me all the way. What about you, dude? Excellent choice. Uh, my choice this week is going to be a, not a strange one, but it's going to be one that's definitely over with me. And I think with hardcore wrestling fans, he's also going to be over. And that person is Andrade Cien Almas. Amazing choice. And why is that, dude? For all of the reasons you've mentioned, Drew, as well. I think this guy is a proper up-and-comer, and I think done in the right way and kept with selena vega is really going to be a main eventer yeah so please vote for these two on all of our social media sites and we will reveal the winner next week so that's another truly excellent episode of the is it over yet wrestling podcast wrapped up we hope you enjoyed it and we will return to our regular format next week Please don't forget to hit us up on all of our social media sites. So that's twitter.com slash IIOY podcast, facebook.com slash is it over yet pod, instagram.com slash is it over yet pod. And of course, don't forget to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And that's the Is It Over Yet Wrestling podcast. We'll see you next week, folks. Take care.